Good morning. Today's scriptural reading is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, and verses 13 to 18. Please follow along in your Bibles or uh, along on the screen as you see above. This is the word of the Lord. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from peace. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision neither nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. May God bless the reading of his word. morning. Well, I hope you've enjoyed having a week of uh, not an overabundance of snow for a change. Um, It's nice to not have to worry about Sunday morning and uh, whether or not there's going to be uh, an inability for people to drive through the parking lot or not. Today, we're going to be um, Going back to something we started quite a while ago, this is something that I hope we don't get into too often, but we started the book of Galatians and we got through chapter 4 and then we hit uh, the Christmas time frame where we had multiple things scheduled and it just managed to kick everything in a different direction. But I wanted us to at least feel like we had gone ahead and completed Galatians chapter 5 and 6 and today we're looking at chapter 5 and... um, the, the emphasis that we can find here is uh, very much uh, challenging related to uh, how we view God. Um, a couple of days ago, I was in a home builders group and we got into a discussion that was uh, eventually the, 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 common, the, the terminology dealt with uh, how it is that we live in a world where God's name is used in vain so freely. Now, you and I very often, especially those, those the, the older crew like myself, um, for I grew up hearing, don't use God's name in vain or cursing. 
And so when anytime anyone would use God and then another word that follows it, it was just absolutely abhorrent. Truthfully, to this day, it's the same for me. I do not do well with that terminology and I feel very uncomfortable when I'm around it. However, the point is on Friday evening when we were talking, one of the things uh, that we did discuss briefly is the fact that Christians also can use God's name in vain. Anytime we drop God's name in a conversation without adequate respect, without adequate expectation, without adequate relationship to Him as we say His name, we truly are using His name in vain. We, uh, you know, I, I've heard many people that would say, oh my, and then they would use, they could put the word my and God together side by side, and I would listen. Every time I would hear that, I, I hear that my response is, yes, well, he may be my God too, if you're a Christian, but maybe not based on the way you're using the term. And so I think we do need to think about, seriously, who is God in our lives? Um... Recently, I read an article that was talking about the millennial generation of people who had grown up in the church and the massive number of that particular circle that have chosen to go a different way and are no longer found within the churches. They found the church to be irrelevant, uh, not doing the things that they felt were important, feeling that the church was not applying, possibly, Uh, enough of what they talk about to their actual daily walk with Christ. Their service, their ministry, their caring for others. And there was a frustration that, that just talking the Jesus talk was inadequate. And so a number of people who had some of that church-like background did not hold on to the relationship. And in fact, it had a statement that I remember I thought it was very fascinating because it said that they had they had turned away from the church. And as I read that term, I thought, no, they really didn't. Because the church is the people of God. Now, the writer of this thing, of course, the way he was writing, he was writing with his own terminology. But these people weren't necessarily turning away from the people of God as much as they were turning away from the institution, the structure, the form. They were saying it was inadequate in actually applying God to their own lives and themselves to that life of God. Um, I have a, uh, something that I've read and uh, was actually a part of back many years ago. That is a play by the name of Brand. And I want to share with you a brief cutting, not going into detail, and I'm not going to try to be a one-man band up here running around trying to play different parts. But I'll just share with you some of the foundational part of the very center of the play. Brand is a guy that's uh, in his uh, mid-age, mid, mid uh, in his 40s or so, and he's up climbing over the mountains. And every time I do it, uh, think about this, I can picture going up to Whistler someplace. But he's walking through the mountains where there's snow everywhere. Now, Brand was written by Hendrik Ibsen, who was a Norwegian uh, playwright. And so the history would very naturally connect in with his background and what he had experienced in life. 
But Brand was going down these little pathways through the snow, the top of the mountain, and he saw two people coming in his direction. And as the people con- continued to move in his direction, uh, he realized he was going to be bumping into them on the pathway. And so they spoke to each other. And he tried to walk on, but one of the it was a couple. And the, the girls and the boy turned to him and started talking. And they were having this nice conversation. And Brand um, basically was trying to move on. But gradually they um, got to a certain point and the, the, the boy said, uh, Do I know you? Uh, it, seems like, it seems like actually maybe we were in, in school or something together. And Brand finally says, yeah, in fact, we were. And they get off into that, and this guy gets so excited, and he tells his girlfriend, wow, isn't this neat? We've, out here in the middle of nowhere, we bumped into this guy that I know. And, and uh, they finally ask him, where are you going? They ask Brand this question. And Brand responds by saying, well, where I'm going, you wouldn't want to go. They said, what does that mean? We know we're going that way, and you're going that way. We're not going in the same direction, but... What are you talking about? He said, well, I'm going to a funeral. And they look at him, and the girl looks at her boyfriend and says, oh boy, this guy's a little, not maybe not playing with a full deck. He's a little bit strange. And finally, the guy asks again, says, Brian, what are you talking about? He said, well, you know, uh, I, I, I'm going to a, a funeral uh, of God. And, of course, at that point, the girl jabs the boy and says, he's crazy. Let's get out of here. And Brand uh, continues to go on, and he says, you know, uh, the, the, the funeral that I'm going to is because I'm fed up. I'm fed up with how people treat God. I'm fed up with what people expect of God. I'm fed up with the fact that everybody wants God to meet their needs but they don't do anything in their relationship with Him. They never give back. All they want is to receive. When they pray, they pray, bless me, God, give me what I want, but they're unwilling to give up their time and their effort and their hard work in serving Him. And he begins to explain, I want a God that's 24 hours a day, every day of the week, one that guides me and I have an intimate relationship with, that my identity is tied to. That's the kind of God I want and I can't find Him. Not within the churches that I see. Not within the Christians that I've come in contact with. Finally, the boy says, Oh, I see. You've turned into a preacher. And he says, No, I haven't. I'm not even sure I'm a Christian or not. I'm so tired of a world that doesn't have a relevant God. Their discussion continues, and finally, the girl successfully, I guess, jabs the guy hard enough, which I'm sure... Most women are very capable of doing that. And just kept jabbing, and finally, she and her boyfriend say, Okay, uh, you know, bless you. And they took off and went a different direction. But as we are on the mountain with them, and we see these three people talking, and we see one that's strange enough to say he's going to a funeral on the top of a mountain where there's just snow and a long way to a village or any place else. I think there is still something for us to to learn. And certainly we have to question ourselves, who is God in our lives? When we pray, I'm not saying all. I'm not saying 
All of us in here have a problem. In our but are we clear that we are praying to the Creator God of the universe? And to just kind of treat Him as if He's my best buddy may not be the most appropriate of approaches. Maybe we need to respect God in a new way. Maybe we need to challenge ourselves. But certainly, I think Brand challenges us to ask some hard questions related to who God is in our lives. Is He a weekend God? Is He a Sunday God? Is He a, a fellowship group God? Is He a home builder's God? Or is He someone 24 hours a day, seven days a week that I walk with? Is there an intimacy in my fellowship with Him? You know, in the Scripture it uses the term, and again, good old Paul, he reminds us to pray without ceasing. I don't know about you, but sometimes I cease. But the Scripture challenges us to say, to say that we need to walk with God with that type of fellowship. So today, as we look a little bit more of what Paul has to say, I think it's really important for us to ask the question, how do I treat God and who is He in my life? And as we look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 12, basically in that part of it, Paul is writing to the Galatian church that he was involved in starting he knows the people. Some history has gone by. Some time has gone by. He's taken some travels. But he's still writing back. And he's contacting them. And he's saying, in Christ, freedom is found. So he's writing to his friends and he's daring to say what he needs to say. And one more time. Now, you remember the book of Galatians. The first couple of chapters of Galatians. Paul was basically rebuilding his relationship with this church that he had started. There was a gap that had been in there. And he was kind of saying, now remember, my heart is with you. This is Paul the Apostle. You remember the guy that believes in Jesus so much that I came and worked with you to get a church started because I believe and now you believe and we understand that in Jesus only is eternal life available. I have given you your life's meaning. I've given you the most important thing you could ever have. And in chapter 1 and chapter 2, he's reminding him that because of that, I dare to write this letter to you because I'm concerned for you. I care about you. And in chapters 3 and 4 and 5, he continues on and he tries to remind them of the problems that they have in their day. Now again, you and I need to ask ourselves, if Paul was writing to us today, what kind of a letter would he write to us? What are our weak points? What are our selfish points? What are the things that keep us from allowing God to be fully the Creator God of our lives and the One who guides us each and every day? What are the things that say to Jesus, Jesus, You can be our part-time Lord, but we don't really want You as Lord. You know, for me... One of the things that, that keeps me from going into details on a lot of things is I actually believe Jesus is Lord. That term is real. 
I believe that should be our goal. And if Jesus is Lord, you don't have to discuss how about doing this, how about doing that. Because you know based on the fact that Jesus as our Lord would have expectations of us to live a certain way, to function in a certain way. And Paul is trying to say to them, I want to remind you of your relationship. So he looks and, and, and he writes and he says in, in the early verses, he says, freedom is found in Christ. And he understood it in a way that, that none of us do. You know, he wasn't trying to preach pie in the sky. You know, one day you'll go to heaven and life will be... Now, that may be true if we come to know Christ. Certainly that's accurate. But that's not what he was preaching. Here he was saying, today is the first day. You've already started walking with Christ. Hang in there each and every day. Your walk with Christ gives you freedom. Gives you meaning. Gives you direction. Don't fall back into slavery. Now, Paul understood slavery because in his day they saw slavery all the time. You and I don't see slavery as much in our world, but he understood the dangers of legalism. He understood and there, that these, these Judaizers had come in, these people that were saying that a, a, a Gentile could become a Christian if first they became Jewish in their lifestyle, if they would follow the laws of Moses, if they would eat the things that they were supposed to eat based on what Jewish people eat, and if they would be circumcised. They had little rules and regulations, legalistic things that were being challenged for these, uh, or presented to these uh, Gentiles. And Paul knew it was wrong because he said, if you follow that path, all grace that comes from God is lost. It's all over. You've blown it. How do you treat God? How do I treat God? Can I accept that His grace is enough? But I want to work my way there. Most of us don't really want to work our way because we know we would fail. But yet in the Scripture, it says in here that basically there were some of these Gentiles that they, were, they had lived under real, true slavery, physical slavery, had also spiritually lived under slavery. And once Jesus had set them free still had some kind of a, an understanding of slavery to the point that they kind of leaned back toward, let me work my way to heaven. Let me do things that will result in me being holy enough that God will accept me. And Paul was saying, if you do that, if you follow that path, that legalism, you will fail. You will be a failure as a Christian. Grace is a gift. You don't have to do anything. But it's that lack of having to do that makes Christianity difficult. So he says, don't allow yourself to be caught in that kind of slavery of trying to earn your way and earn God's appreciation of you. And we must remember that Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul knew rules. He knew them well. He knew what you could and could not do. He had taught them. He had been teaching for years made Paul the expert when it came to knowing about the dangers of being caught in legalism. Paul reminded them that compromise with that kind of a thinking, a legalistic approach to becoming one of God's people was wrong. And he said, you'll be moving backward. You've made a decision 
to follow Christ. Now, we've got to remember there are different kinds of people that were potential receivers of this information. You've got a society out there in the Galatia area of Turkey that didn't know anything about Christianity. And they have their values and their morals and their ideas and their thinking. Then you've got this small band of people who have made decisions for Christ, who are Gentile in background and are trying to follow Christ. And then you've got this group of Jewish believers that are coming in and saying, you've not done enough. And so Paul is having to write and try to be an encourager and a challenger as he writes. Paul understood that it was important to have Jesus as Messiah, as Savior, and as Lord. Now, the reason I'm saying this to you today is to encourage you. Because I need the encouragement too. We've got to remember Jesus' position in our life. It's an exciting position if He is Lord. To sing Jesus is Lord. How fun can that be if He really is trying to function in our lives that way and we're allowing Him to do so? Unfortunately, Paul was seeing people who were trying to compromise. And Paul said, I don't want a great teacher. I don't want another high prophet. I don't want another model for mankind. I want a Messiah. If Jesus is not the Messiah, I don't want Him. I'm following the wrong person. And I think this is a challenge for you and me when we look at Jesus. When we try to understand who is God in our life. He either is our Messiah, the one who gives us freedom and direction, or He's only a teacher. And if He's a teacher, as Paul said, that's not enough. In the Scripture in John 3.16, we all know that Scripture. It says that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. Now, the term only begotten uh, is quite a challenging Scripture. It says He's the one and only. There, are, there, there is no other. It does not say He is a prophet. There are religions that will tell you, I believe in Jesus, but you better check carefully with them. And the reason being, they do believe in Jesus, but they believe He was a great prophet. They do not believe He's the only begotten Son of God. And you can try using John 3.16 with them and find out what they truly believe. It's something we have to understand. Just because a person says, I believe in God, doesn't really mean anything. Not until you find out what their definition of God is. Is He also your Lord? Do you have relationship with Him through the blood of Jesus? Or do you have relationship with Him based on your own abilities? Paul was saying, if it's only based on your own abilities, you've already lost the battle. He was trying to warn the church that he loved, the brothers and sisters he cared about, please recognize your spiritual walk is important. What the church does is important, yes, but it must be based on a burden from our identity. It must be based on our desire to be used by the Lord. Not a prophet. Now we can remember... Back in Ephesians, in another one of Paul's letters, how he wrote clearly that by grace are you saved. 
And so his emphasis was always that salvation came through grace. It was a gift from God. We have to learn how to receive gifts. And this was God's gift. Being a citizen of the kingdom for the Greek citizens of those days meant that you were both a citizen but also a person with responsibility. Paul was saying to those people in that church, you have responsibility because of your relationship with Christ, not in order to build your relationship with Christ. You have responsibilities because your relationship exists, not in order to have that relationship exist. It's a kind of uh, important response that we must have as we look back toward our Lord. For in those days, we need to understand that the cross itself was offensive. It was offensive to the Jews. It was offensive to the Christians. You know, unlike today where any, anybody can wear a little cross around their neck, in those days, people didn't, with great joy, wear a cross around their neck for other people to see. It was not a point of pride. It was not a point of, of testimony or witness. So when Paul brought forth ideas saying that legalism was wrong, it it came with a, a bit of confusion for them. As we go on in the Scripture in verses 13 on, after Paul has made it clear that legalism and following your own abilities and own skills and your own behavior is not going to be the approach that we should have, of course we have to ask ourselves, for VCBC today, We must see that Christ is about commitment. It's not a church activity or not about committees or rules, but about faith. In chapter 5, verses 13 on, it moves into discussion of the Spirit, saying, what I just shared with you was heavy. I know it was trying to challenge you with your mentality that you can earn God's respect. I know that you have gotten into that habit. I know that you've gotten some confusion. We know people have come into the middle of your group and have said things which are not good for you. And I hope you're strong enough to know the Scriptures well enough to know what is right and what is wrong. But I want to tell you some good news. The good news goes on in verses 13 to 17. He reminds them again, you are free. You are free now not to be tied up by rules and regulations, trying to live up to the expectations of everyone around you. He says it's dangerous, though, that even within our freedom, if we are not careful, we will allow wrong values to step into our hearts. He says in verses 15 to 17, not to allow our tongue to become a negative freedom as we devour each other saying things we should not, harmful things. People saying things to build their own reputation by criticizing others and the weaknesses of others. No one in this room is perfect. No one in this room can do things the most ideal way that will reach every heart of every person. Sometimes when we get up and we listen to the music, it touches my heart so much, and it may not touch the person over here, or vice versa. The same things with our prayers. The same things with sermons. The same things with any part of our worship. Trying to reach the hearts of everybody here at the exact same moment. 
Very difficult. Paul is saying to them, you know, criticizing others, making fun of others, getting caught up in trying to build your own reputation at the cost of others is not the way of Christ. He said, this is, he says, it's not a new sin for a person to become this kind of selfish person. Walking by the Spirit, verse 16, is not a simple because it conflicts with the desires that we often have in our own heart. Desire is presented as a selfish ambition and a personal gain. Talks about the difference between the flesh and the Spirit. And eventually you'll get down to verse 19. And when you get to verse 19, uh, if I can get back... gives us very clearly, it says, Now the words of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? The danger words. Adultery, fornication. See, it does deal with sexual issues and how we handle our daily lives. Uncleanliness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. And it says in there somewhere just above that in verse 18, it says, but I've led of the Spirit. Ye are not under the law. And then it gives this list of the things that are within the flesh. Things that basically it's telling us we should know. We should be aware of. We should not be surprised to understand these particular items. They should be grasped by us as things that are truly what are sinful within our world. And we, I think today here at BCBC, we know the challenges to allow the Spirit to lead us should be what we accept. And it goes on and it says, um, the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22 is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. It's saying that there is these things are the gifts from God. Saying that there is a, a difference that Paul is calling us uh, to live by. And if we can get beyond the idea that we can earn God's relationship. If we can get beyond that mentality that we are capable or deserve His love. He will gladly give us these things. So Paul is given a beautiful thing to the Galatian church, even as he has challenged them with their habits, challenged them to stand up. And I think that this is one of the main keys of what I see in this Scripture, is the challenge to say, do not allow yourself to just say, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it does matter. You have responsibility, I have responsibility. For our church to be what this church needs to be, no, it's not the responsibility of Brian it's not the responsibility of Joe. It's not the responsibility of anybody else. It's my responsibility. This is our church. We are a body of Christ. And brothers and sisters in Christ, we have responsibility. So he was saying to the Galatian church, now remember, the Galatian church was existing in a time when house churches were common. They had house churches all over Galatia, that portion of Turkey. And they received this message. And it was probably not a church tied heavily to a lot of structure. But Paul was saying, structure is not the answer. Legalism is not the answer. Your walk with Christ, that intimate dependency 
will have a result of changing your life. When we look today, and we see Galatians, we must allow it to live in our lives today because VCBC needs to be that kind of a loving church. And I believe He has that for us. I believe our future is there the more we depend on Him. And I give praise to the Father that we gather together as His family and try to serve. Let us ask for clarity of ministry that we need to be doing that reaches out to the lost world around us, reaches out to our friends, that does more than just focus on our own comfort, but is focusing on Him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for the, the, the ministry of Paul. We thank You for his testimony to us to challenge us and reminding us that legalism, working our own ways to try to make You appreciate us, is not the right path. Father, we would ask that we would have joy in depending on the Holy Spirit to guide us. We would ask that we would have that natural ability to look at the things in the society around us that we know clearly are evil or wrong or not healthy. And we would just simply ignore those things. We would reject those things. But we would never do it without the fear of saying what we need to say. If Christians are silent, our society has no hope. Father, help us not to be silent. Give us the courage to recognize that you've placed us here for purpose. Father, we want to see love, gentleness, joy, care. We want to see the gifts of the Spirit manifest in our lives. And we pray that you would do that because we are being faithful. In Jesus' name.